Aren't you glad? He won't fail. He won't fail. I, I was, while, we were, while we were singing that, I was just standing there thinking those words. He won't. He won't fail. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you know of anyone else that has never failed you? Think that through real quick. I mean, I know one person in this room who's saying, well, I know somebody, and that's Lisa. I've never failed her. <laughs> nah, that's not true. I have failed her. Uh, nothing major, I, I don't think, but, uh, you know, I didn't take the trash out once or twice or, you know, whatever. Think about, think about that statement. He will never fail. He will never fail you. That, that is no small thing. If you don't walk away from here today knowing anything else or hearing anything else that was worthwhile, know that he won't. He will never fail. Amen? I hope you're in, uh, uh, in the book of James. Um, and while you're going there, I've got a couple other things to do up here. But uh, we're going to be going through the book of James. Right before I get to that, uh, I want to give you some information. Uh, and this information is just uh, some information about some information that's going to be coming to you in the way of uh, communication. Um, at, let me just say it. This week, early in the week most likely, but this week... Um, if you are uh, on our email, if you have, if we have your email, you're going to be getting a survey. Uh, it's a giftedness survey, an interest survey, whatever you want to call it. But it's a, a survey that uh, you can go through and we're inviting you and encouraging you to go through and just fill it out. Uh, you may uh, finish that survey and say, wow, I just told Shadow Mountain Church that I'm going to do this and therefore I'm on, I'm, I'm going to be doing this for Shadow Mountain Church. So that's not the case at all. It's just showing us where your interests lie, where your gifts lie and that type of thing so that we can build a database and figure out when things come up or uh, opportunities arise, we can then go to those people who show interest in those different areas. So anyway, you'll understand it when you see it and read it and go through it. But I, please, I strongly encourage you to go through that and uh, fill that out for us. Um, like I said, it will be probably the, the earlier part of the week that you'll see that arriving in your email. Uh, please do that as quickly as you possibly can. Number two, um, I do want to say this um, on behalf of Lisa and myself, we owe you all, Shadow Mountain Church, a huge, huge apology. And um, I, I'm humbly coming before you uh, for, for the many times that Lisa and I have said that you all were liars about the fact that you get snow. Um, so, uh, uh, but I, I am committed to, to this one thing that, um, uh, in the, in the very wake of the blizzard of 24, I know we will rebuild together <laughs> and we will make it through. We are Shadow Mountain Church. Amen. No, it's a, it is beautiful and we are thrilled with it, but, uh, I, I'm joking around with all of that, but, um, uh, James, the book of James, we are launching today is the launching point. Um, I know most of you probably picked up the notes on the way in the door. Uh, hang on to those notes because I can just about guarantee you that if I try to get through this message today, uh, that uh, the second service is going to be knocking on the doors to get in here. We probably won't finish this message today, but don't get upset about that. Um, 
I had a preacher that uh, I grew up under listening to. His name was Bunyan Wallace. That's a name for you, isn't it? Uh, Reverend Bunyan Wallace. And he used to say all the time, he used to say, my preaching's like a loaf of bologna. I can cut it off thick or thin. <laughs> In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is that we're not going to rush through this. Um, these notes will run into the next notes, run into the next notes. We're going to stick with the book of James for a while. Um, and uh, the reason, uh, if you want to know the reason why I feel led to do this, is because this is very foundational. And uh, I, I want it to be foundational for us. Um, uh, I know many, many, many Christians who go uh, headlong into their relationship with Jesus Christ only to be thwarted at some point due to some uh, calamity in their life, some, something that derails them and causes them to wander for a long period of time. The beauty is, uh, almost no, all of those for the children of God, all of those wind up like a prodigal story. And the, 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 the child of God comes walking back down the road. And I, I want you to understand the prodigal story. Maybe we should have preached that today. Anyway, the prodigal story, the father, go back and read it. The, the father, he doesn't wait for the boy to come up the lane. No, he's been watching at the window. And he runs to his son. Isn't that awesome? The father will always take you back. But that, all that aside... We're going to go into the book of James, and we're going to launch here. So, without further ado, let's go James chapter 1. Let's begin reading with verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 8, and uh, then we're going to jump into this. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy... When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Would you join me in prayer? Father, <sighs> Heavenly Father, God, I love you, I praise you, and I just thank you this morning, Lord, for your love and for your goodness, for your compassion on us. I thank you for the fact that we have a Savior. We have a Lord who is Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that he most certainly will never fail. He won't. And God, I just thank you for that this morning. Father, I thank you for uh, that Matthew seven twenty four that was read this morning during worship. Father, I thank you, Father, this morning for the book of James. Lord, for you gifting us this insight into how we are supposed to respond to, uh, I'll just call it life. Father, I pray for those who are going through difficulties even now, Lord, that they will hear these words and that they will speak to those hearts. Father, I'm praying for those who have been through difficult, dark struggles in the past. 
Lord, that they will reflect on those times. And Lord, that they would be uh, encouraged. Lord, that they would be uh, prepared, repaired, and ready for anything in the future. And Father, ultimately, for those who will face difficult days in the future, Lord, let this, let this day be the beginning of preparation for even those days. Father, that we might be prepared to face anything. God, I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's say this morning, for just, just for the fun of it, that everybody in this room or anybody who's watching this later, you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not a foolish man. I'm not a foolish uh, preacher. I'm not, I'm not an ignorant individual. I know that in a room like this, that not everybody in this room is a believer. If that's you... <laughs> I'm not talking down to you. Matter of fact, I'm trying my best to lift you up and say to you, listen with listening ears. You can have everything that every believer is accepted and is receiving this morning to be an encouragement to you. Come to Christ. You're going to have that opportunity later, and I'll tell you more about that. But this, this message may sound like it's only for a Christian, and it is not. But listen to my first premise. You ready? <laughs> you better start talking back to me or I'm going to just talk until you, I'm blue. Are you ready? Yes. In order to attain Christian maturity. See, you must be a child of God to attain Christian maturity. You first have to be a Christian to become a mature Christian. <laughs> to attain Christian maturity and holy conduct, it is essential to have what? A firm foundation. You got to be built up on something. If you're going to be mature, if you're going to be holy, you have to have a foundation. The believer must be able to stand with confidence. He dare not be pushed down by trials. You got to follow me all the way to the end today because this is beautiful. He must not be pulled over by temptation. This kind of stamina can be achieved by pursuing, perceiving, and practicing the Word of God. It's all right here. Everything that we need to face anything in life is right here in the Word of God. Trials from without, temptations from within are no match for the Christian who stands in the truth from above. So, let's just jump in the content of joy. <laughs> Listen again to verses 1 through 3. James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. <laughs> wow! That's a lot already, and if we get through that this morning, we're going to be just really amazing. Not, not me, you. <laughs> the content of joy. Before I jump into that, listen, James, a bondservant of God, he's introducing himself. This is the, the brother of Jesus, and that's uh, contested elsewhere, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and 
he is a bondservant. He doesn't say, hey, I'm the brother of Jesus. He says, I'm a bondservant. I am a slave to the Lord or to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am, I'm not cashing in on my relationship with him uh, from a, a human standpoint. I am cashing in on the fact that he's allowed me to serve him. Oh, how joyful we should be to be able to label ourselves as bondservants of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that idea, the, the privilege to be called that. And then he says, I'm going to tell you who I'm writing to. He says, I'm writing to Shadow Mountain Church. No, he says, I am writing to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Who's this? He's talking to believers, Christians who have been dispersed all over the place. And this is following the dispersion. We'll get into that another day. But he's writing to the entire church. And then he uses a word, a word that is found somewhat in Advent. You remember Advent? Y'all remember going through the Advent wreath? You remember there were four candles? It was peace, love, joy, Hope. Uh, I was hoping somebody had it. <laughs> Greetings comes from the root word. Guess what? Joy. Greetings. Joy. When you say greetings, you ought to be putting a smile on your face. Greetings. Greetings, my brothers, my sisters. Greetings. He's, he's coming to them, and he's coming from, A, a lowly bondservant slave standpoint, yet he is talking to those whom he loves and cares for. Why does he love them and care for them? Because God loves them and cares for them. Because Jesus loves them and cares for them. He says, I am coming to you. Greetings. Joy, my brothers and sisters. Joy. Hmm. Joy. It's the first stop. <laughs> the content or the, 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 the joy that we can have. Joy. Joy is a choice. You woke up this morning, and some of you absolutely cannot stand the cold, the weather, the, the snow, ice. You can't stand any of it. Yeah, you can't. First of all, my first question would be, why are you living here? <laughs> But some of you woke up and you're just, rah, rah, rah. you've got the choice to wake up and say, look at the glory of God's creation. Look at how beautiful it is. Oh, what joy we can have in diverse situations. But no matter what we face, we can find joy. And that's what James leads off with. Joy is a choice. Joy is not allowing ourselves to drift through life experiences. <laughs> We're not going to just drift through. We're not just going to aimlessly go through them. All this is, all this does is put us at the mercy of our experiences and the interactions and activities of others. I'm not going to give you the right to bring down my joy. You don't have that. That's not yours to take. That's between me and the Lord. That's where my joy is. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You've heard the song? If not, I won't sing it for you. It's, my joy is not bound up by my relationships with you. You can encourage it. You can undergird it. You can push me forward through our fellowship and our, our worship together. But ultimately, nobody has the right to take my joy. 
<laughs> I can give it away. And oh, how sad it is when we choose to let it go based on my circumstances, based on personalities, based on all of those things that are around me, that swirl around me. I don't have to let it go. Joy is not allowing ourselves to do all of those things. Joy, B, joy is not pretending to be happy. There was a guy I knew once upon a time. Listen, this was years ago, and great guy. I, I loved him dearly, don't get me wrong. But you'd walk through the church on a Sunday morning, you'd see him say, hey, good morning, how are you? I'm too blessed to be distressed, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it's like, whoa, turn it down just a little bit. We can pretend to be happy. We can put on a fake face all day long. I'm not telling you to be joyful <laughs> in spite of everybody else. I'm going to be happy. <laughs> no, I'm saying seek for true joy, not just pretending joy. All that is is a pretending, a putting up a good front no matter what the circumstances. Pure joy is a calculated response to trials. Trials are essential elements in the Christian pilgrimage. These things we must needs have. It's reality of life. We are called to be among the fellowship of the suffering. It's reality, and it makes us better than we were. Trials are essential, and trials are providential, not faded. Did you hear me? Providential, not faded. What does that mean? Faded would be, well, it's just going to happen because it happens to everybody. Well, you know, it's just, that's, that's life. It's, it's down in the dumps because, you know, well, it's going to happen. No, it's providential. When I go through trials, when I go through difficulties, I need to stop and I need to ask myself one simple question. God, what is it that you are trying to show me, trying to teach me, trying to train me for? God, show me what it is because I want to learn the lesson. First of all, I want to learn the lesson because I don't want to have to relearn the lesson. <laughs> That's kind of the selfish part of me, but I want to learn whatever he's providentially put in front of me. They are natural outcomes of adversarial behavior of the hostile world toward God's people. <laughs> Is the world against us? Yeah. Oh, I think so. But, you know, I, I think we need to go a little bit farther than is God or is the world against us. <laughs> These are natural outcomes. Adversarial behavior of the hostile world towards God's people. They are designed tools in the hands of a sovereign God who employs them to refine faith, our faith, enhance godly fellowship, and augment the Christian journey. He's, he's put all of this into place. Look, I love to have a good time. I love to smile. I love people to laugh. I love to enjoy my day. Everybody does. I don't know of anybody who doesn't like to have a good day. I love to have a good day. I'm wondering about you all right at the moment. I love to have a good day. But I also welcome the difficulty. 
Not because I like it, but because God is trying to change me from the inside out based on the circumstantial reality of what I'm facing in this body and in this life. It's designed tools in the hands of a sovereign God, a God who understands and knows what's very best for me, who knows and wants only the best for us as a body of believers. He's the one who's in control. If you don't believe that, then we have a foundational issue. He is using it. For our betterment. John 15, 18, 19, and 20. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me... They will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. Don't be shocked when the world is showing that it is absolutely against the believer and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Don't be shocked. And don't be dismayed. Don't be put down. <laughs> See it for what it is. They hated him long before they hated you and I. And hey, I'm, I'm happy to be on that team. Think about that for just a moment. Have you ever went to a sporting event where you went to that sporting event and you wore your colors, you wore your t-shirt, whatever it was, pro, uh, proclaiming your, your allegiance to your team, but you went to the game, whatever it was, at the opposing team's field? You walk in with that wrong T-shirt on, according to that stadium or court or whatever, and you go and you sit down, and everybody looks at you. <laughs> Who's he? Why is he rooting for that team? Well, then, you know, it's, that's sort of the way we are as Christians. We're, we're wearing our T-shirts. We're wearing our crosses. We're carrying our Bibles. We're gathering for worship. And the world starts seeing us, and they start saying, hey, those are Christians. They're wearing the wrong T-shirt. They're wearing the wrong colors. They are not of this world. Oh, praise God, if they say it, I jump up and down. Because then I know I'm doing it right. Then I know we're doing it right. Then I know that we are proclaiming and showing a lost and dying world how desperately they need what we've got. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
Well, you need to underline that. You need to put some stars around it. You need to highlight it. You need to put a light in your Bible somehow. You need to remember 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. When you're down and out, when you're struggling, you need to go back and you need to embrace it and love it and let it soothe your soul. Put it on your soul like salve and let it heal you. Look, I'll never, ever forget. There, there, are, there are defining moments of trials in my life. Just like you, you have defining. Mine are not more significant, more powerful, more, more weighty, or, or less so than yours in any way. But I can remember, I remember the morning that I found out that my mother had ended her life. I remember that, that phone call that I got in the middle of the night about my sister-in-law going to be with the Lord. I remember, I remember, I can go through so many things that I have been through in my life that were crushing to my spirit. But I can also look back and see what they've done for me, or better said, what God has done for me over time. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you know, uh, it, I've, I've heard it both ways. I've heard it about a goldsmith. I've heard it about a silversmith. Um, who wants gold or who wants silver? I don't know. It's, we can go either way. It's the smith. They put that, that uh, precious gold in the fire, and that fire begins burning off all the impurities out of that fine metal. And uh, the, the goldsmith or the silversmith is looking into that, into that precious metal, and when they see the reflection of their face, they pull it out because that indicates that the, the impurities have been burned off. If he leaves it in there any longer, it begins actually burning up the, the precious metal, and you don't want that. You don't, nobody wants to lose their gold or their silver. No, he knows that at that moment he pulls it out, and it's just like you and I. God has us in this world, and we are going to go through the fire. We're going to go through the trials. It's a reality, and we can take joy in it because even though it's painful to be in the fire, even though it's painful to not, every, not always have things go your way, even though it's painful when people don't like you, even though it's painful when you're going through grief or suffering, no matter what it is, if he is got us in this fire, he's watching. And when he sees his face reflected in our lives, He's going to take us out of the fire. And guess what that means? <laughs> I get to see him. I'm going to be face to face with him. I had a dear college friend of mine pass away two days ago. And she's married to a very good friend of mine from college. And I am just blown away. Roy and Kelly. I'm just blown away by the way Roy is responding. He is... He said, you know, I, I, she's with Jesus. She's with Jesus. Hey, I saw this morning he posted that uh, he just turned on his music and pushed shuffle. And the first song that came on was about being with Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Roy, you're amazing. I love you, brother. Um, if I could go to Alabama Saturday, I would, because they're going to have her funeral. But I'm sitting there, I'm thinking... You know, there's going to be people crying at that funeral because Kelly was something. Kelly was, you know, everybody keeps talking about the light who is Kelly. And, you know, as she was, she was just a bright person, happy. But any light that she had was just a reflection. But let me tell you something. There are going to be people crying on Saturday all week. They're going to cry over Kelly. But let me tell you something about Kelly. Kelly 
just said, oh, so this is what it's like to come out of the fire and to be purified in your presence. This life, we can take joy in the things that we're going through, knowing the end result, knowing that we are, are being changed every day. It's not, it's not something that we, I believe that a lot of people believe that they do this. This is what their perception is. You ready? Oh, no, I need Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. Dear Jesus, come into my heart, save me, and live there forever. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And then the next thing you know, it's flash, and then we put them on the back pew, and they drip dry, and everybody's happy. Woo! Glorious change in my life. Happened right there, right there, right where I, it, it was a beautiful moment. Hallelujah. Well, that is a beautiful moment. And I'm not downing that. I'm not putting that down. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not minimalizing that. But if that winds up being put in a pool of water and then set on a church pew chair to drip dry, and that's all that happens, we're missing out on everything that he has for us, the transformation. The transformation begins there. The transformation, as with my dear, sweet, kind, loving, beautiful sister Kelly, it winds up in the face of Jesus, face to face with him from now throughout all eternity. That's what this is all about. It is possible to experience real victory over such circumstances. We are admonished by James to respond to difficult circumstances with the fruit of the Spirit, starting with joy. That's hard. This is a, uh, the disciples said this to Jesus one time. They said, that is a hard teaching. Who can live up to it? <laughs> That's my paraphrase. How can we live up to this? That's so hard to understand, so hard to grasp, so hard to put our arms around. When I come and share with you some horrible news, you're called to say, I'm going to respond with joy. Well, that joy had better be a deep-seated joy where you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I don't understand why or how or the reason for what I'm going through right at this moment, but please change me, help me, help me carry me through this. I want to respond in joy. Christians are to allow the Holy Spirit to generate joy from within as the dominant attitude of their spirit when they face life's trials. This is what we're called to. Can I do this for you? No. Can I, can I exemplify it for you in my own life? Certainly I can try to show it. But ultimately, this is a lesson that the Holy Spirit is going to have to teach you in your heart and in your life in that moment. So what do we do today? We prepare for it by understanding to watch for whatever diverse trials and tribulations that we're going to go through to say, Lord, teach me and prepare my heart to respond with deep-seated joy because I know whose I am and I know what the world is doing to you is going to do to me. Let me put my faith, my trust in you through it all. How do we do that? Well, let's keep going because it ain't over. Faith is tested. Mm. There is no doubt about the testing of our faith. The word whenever doesn't mean 
if, what it means is when. Everybody in this room is going to face trials and tribulation. Every one of us. And you say, well, I just did, so I'm clear. I'm in the clear. It's all behind me. Hallelujah, I'm going to Jesus. Psst, psst, pay attention. It ain't over. It's a reality. Can I tell you a little secret uh, about this, this four-letter word that we toss around so easily? Again, it was in the Advent wreath. It was that one, that love. Can I tell you something about love? I love love. <laughs> Who doesn't love love? I love you. Doesn't that feel good to hear? <laughs> I'm glad you heard it because I didn't. You didn't say a word back. I love you. I love feels so good to say I love you. And we can say love about so many different things. You can love ketchup. You can love ice cream. You can love the weather. You can, you can love your friends, your family, your spouse. You can love. You can love. But ultimately, love boils down to this. If you're going to love someone else, this is a hard lesson. The ultimate price to love, to avail yourself to love someone else, is the ultimate realization that I'm going to love you even though I know that that love will be cut off at some point, somehow, ultimately by death. That's a hard lesson. Most of us don't think about that. I'll never forget when Lisa and I started dating. I didn't look at her and go, I could love her enough to let her die. <laughs> I think I'm going to marry her because I could let her die. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and love her, even though it's worth it. Now, I didn't know that then. I had no idea. I, I'd never learned that lesson at all. I had no idea that that would be the, the end of our relationship would be death. I'm personally, if, if I know I'm going, she's going first. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it's, it's the ultimate price for love is lost. That's the reality. But the beauty in it is, is I know that that love is worth it. It's worth it. That love is worth it. My question is, the things that you let your heart love, is it worthy? Is it worth it? <laughs> we can fall in love with the wrong things, amen? We can do the wrong things because we fall in love with the wrong things. Hmm. Faith. I'm sorry, that's what you call a bunny rabbit. I just chased him all the way down that hole. <laughs> Whatever doesn't mean if, but when. The question is, how do we respond to the testing? The answer is found in another word, consider. The word consider is a command. In fact, it is a command with official authority. It's the, <laughs> I grew up, I'm the fourth of four kids. I have uh, two older sisters and an older brother, and I stress the word old, or I'm the baby. But it's th this, this, this word consider being a command. It's the biblical equivalent of when your older brother or sister told you to clean your room and you said, why do I have to? And they said, because mom or dad said so. Hmm. See, 
I wouldn't take a command from my big sister, my big brother, my other sister, if you paid me. I would not take a command from them when I was a kid. No way. Who are you to tell me what to do? Mom said, I'll do it. Hmm. This comes with some scriptural backing. Consider. Consider. Hmm. The first part of the command was without, the first part was, ah, the first part was command without official authority, and the second was command with official authority. James is saying with authority, hey, chalk this up. Trials are meant to be faced with joy. Not joy for the trial, joy in the trial. Not joy for the trial, joy in the trial. Joy in trials means uh, it keeps the struggle from removing new growth in my life, removing new insights I may have, removing new depth in my Christian walk, removing new dependency on my Lord. Now, trials are not things we bring on ourselves. And let me, let me stop. I, I almost ran past it. Understand this. The joy, the joy is not, is, is there to carry me through whatever this trial that I'm facing is. The joy is not because because of that, I'm not happy I'm going through it. I'm happy and I'm joyful because I can go through it. And it's there not to rob me of everything I've learned up to that point. And matter of fact, it's there to undergird everything I've learned up to that point and allow that to be used. When do you, when do you prepare for a trial? Do you prepare for a trial in the trial or do you prepare for the trial ahead of the trial? Well, I want to be prepared before the trial. I don't want to wait until I'm in the midst of a trial. If, if we take it from a very legal standpoint, that's why you hire a lawyer so that he will prepare for the trial that you're about to go through. <laughs> you hope that he's a good lawyer and that he's preparing well for your trial. Well, my dear friends, you are your own lawyer. And whatever trials that we are going to face in the coming hours, days, weeks, months, years, whatever those trials are, Today is the time to prepare for your trial. James is saying, get your heart ready. What does he say? He says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you're going through your trial, say, God, I know that I'm going through this for a reason. I thank you for the preparation that you've given me for this trial that I'm going through. Don't let the enemy, don't let the circumstances, don't let the situation, don't let my own heart... <laughs> Lose the insights I might have, the growth that I have, the depth of my walk that I have, the new dependency on the Lord that I have. Don't let those things be robbed from me. Let me operate in them and use them to help me face the trial. I want to do it because of the joy that I have in you. Trials are not things that we bring on ourselves. The world face means to fall into something that is around us. It's used of the man who fell into robbers and was helped by the Good Samaritan. Nobody goes out looking for someone to rob them. <laughs> well, that looks like a good guy. Matter of fact, you know, one of our uh, security team this morning said, I don't think there'll be many bad guys out this morning. <laughs> Boy, I hope so. I need a good trial today. Yeah. I'm not going to go looking for it. I'm not going to go looking for the trouble. <laughs> I'm going to, at some point, most likely fall into some trial. These are trials that are external to us, and they are many. So here, 
again, if you don't walk away with anything, walk away with this. The key thought, rejoice in the trials that we face, not letting them destroy what will come out of them. Hmm. Did you hear me? Did you read it? Did you circle it? Did you highlight it? Did you put a light on it? Rejoice in the trials that we face, not letting them destroy what will come out of them. You know, I am a Christian. I was a 13-year-old boy who sat on a pew and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. And that 13-year-old boy would begin growing in his faith and his, in his understanding. And he would reach the age 14, then 15, then 16, then 17. Somewhere in there, somewhere in there, I don't know where. I, I, I wish I could go back and pinpoint it for you. Somewhere in there, I was so in love with Jesus and marching so hard towards Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I found myself marching just the opposite direction and doing the stupidest things, the dumbest things, the worldliest things, letting the world have me. I'll never forget. I, I woke up. I was in college, my second year of college, went to revival. And that's when the Lord said, hey, boy. Everything you've been through over these past few years, think about it with me. I saved you. I redeemed you. And you've thrown it in the trash because you've loved the world instead of me. Come home, son. And I did. <laughs> oh, what a change it will make. Remember what I said earlier? I, I, we didn't get very far, did we? You all have your slides for next week. You remember what I said? This, this is largely for the Christian. But the non-Christian sitting here going, wow, I want that. I want what you're talking about. I need Jesus. I need my Savior and my Lord. I need Him. Maybe you're a Christian sitting here and you're going, wow, yeah, I, I understand what you're talking about when you realize that you're going in an opposite direction. I need to come back. My friend, the Father is sitting there at the window watching for you to come running, and He's going to meet you. He'll meet you before you ever get there. He loves you. And he's been waiting on you for the light to come on again. This morning as we, I'm going to end us in prayer, and as we sing this final song, uh, for the first few minutes I'm going to be standing here. If you need Jesus, get out from wherever you are and come up here and say, that's what I need. If you need to come back home, if you need to come back to Jesus, come talk to me. But even better, this is called an altar area. And there is plenty of room for every single one of you, if you need to, to come up here and bow your knee, not before a praise team, but before a holy God, and talk to him and give it up to him. Whatever you're struggling with, whether it's a recent trial, a 
current trial, one that you perceive may be coming. Whatever it is, maybe it's nothing of a negative thing at all. Maybe it's, I need to pray for my neighbor, my, my nephew, my friend, whoever that needs to come to Jesus. Whatever you need this altar for, it's between you and a holy God, and nobody's going to be sitting there going, wonder what they're doing. wonder what they did. <laughs> I, bet they're, I bet they're in trouble. No. Everyone out here that has half a heart for Jesus is going to be praying for you and saying, Lord, I don't know why they're up there, but I'm praying that, Lord, you direct their path and you direct their every step. Whatever God's leading you to this morning, as we get ready to sing, you prepare your heart for this altar or to talk to me or right where you are to give it all to him. He wants you to live with joy. Pray with me. Father, oh God, I love you. I praise you and I thank you this morning for your love, for your goodness, for the fact that you know and you knew that we would need to be prepared for this life, our situations, our circumstances, our struggles, our disappointments, our trials, our tribulations, whatever it is, Father, you knew that we would need to know how to face it. And you gave James some beautiful words to speak to us. And he says, oh, my brothers, my sisters, all of you, count it all joy when you face trial. Father, I'm praying for each and every person here, Lord, that we, that we would be prepared. Lord, where we are not, that we would take this precious time to make preparation for whatever it is we face. Father, while we sing. I pray for those who need Jesus, those who need to come home to Jesus, those who just need to bow and talk to you about personal issues, family issues, friend issues, sickness issues, whatever it is that they need to come, that they will spend great time with you at this altar. And Lord, at the same time, by their faithfulness to be up here, would garner the prayers of many because of their boldness. God, I love you, I praise you, and I thank you for what you're doing, what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen.